Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Stand with me this morning. So good to see you. I tell you what, after that last song, I don't know if I can even preach. I'm kind of choked up here. So good to see you. I, I, I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, you're better looking than I first thought this morning. I just want everybody to be in a good mood when I start preaching here. Let's pray together. Father, we're so grateful for your loving compassion. We're thankful for your word. Let it be anointed through my lips and our ears and our hearts. And God, do what you do in our lives. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm glad you're here today. Three friends decided they're going to go hunting. It's the doctor, the lawyer, and the preacher. So they're going deer hunting, and they go out to their respective spot. They're getting ready to go to their tree stands, and all of a sudden, the three spot this huge buck that begins to walk off in the distance. All three spontaneously pick up their rifles. They shoot, and the big buck goes down. They rush over there. They want to know how big he really is, and... When they get there, now they're wondering who shot the buck. And the game warden comes by and he sees them all standing around this huge, massive deer. And he says, what are you guys doing standing over this big buck? And they said, well, we kind of want to know who shot it. And he said, well, let me examine this deer. And he goes over and he examines the, the buck and he says, the pastor shot the buck. He said, how do you know? It went in one ear and out the other. (laughs) We're starting a new series today called One King to Many Keys. So I don't want you to let this go in one ear and out the other. Because it's very important what we're going to cover the next few weeks. And this summer we felt like we wanted to do a series that would really impact us and the church and even our community. How many of you have keys that you don't know where the key goes to? It may be on your key ring or in the drawer in the house or utility room. We have keys like that. Uh, This is not my key ring, but at one time, all of these keys opened something. I don't know what they opened. Some of them are really old. I mean, some of these things are like antiques. And, I mean, they're skeleton keys. There's all kind of weird-looking keys on here. How many of you know God has keys? And, and in the keys, we need to know what the keys unlocked. If you have your Bible today, Matthew 16, this is a passage you're very, very familiar with, and we want to start there. In Matthew 16, this is the dialogue between Jesus and his disciples because they're wondering who he is. And if you don't know who he is today, let me tell you, he is the King of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He's the Redeemer, the Savior. He is the one that can get you to heaven. Amen. That's who he is. But listen as I read verse 13. Now, when Jesus came to the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, others Jeremiah, one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. 
And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Look with me, please, at verse 19. I will give you the keys to the kingdom. Keys, plural, kingdom, one kingdom. There's only one kingdom that you want to belong to. That's the kingdom of God. If you're not in that kingdom, you're in trouble. But this one kingdom has many keys according to Jesus. If I could give you the key to unlock something you wanted, how many of you would want that key? Yeah, absolutely. A couple of observations about keys. Number one, keys open things that are shut. And maybe you're here today and you think, well, this has been shut out of my life or shut up in my life and I need the key to unlock that. And, you know, the Bible is really replete with things that have been shut up or you don't have access to. Uh, one of them in the Bible is actually uh, the heavens. How many of you have ever read that God shut up the heavens? Uh, this is Solomon. He's dedicating the temple this marvelous wonder of the world, Solomon's temple, and they're bringing the Ark of the Covenant into the temple. And now Solomon is really rehearsing what we know as Chronicles 7, if my people which are called by my name. How many of you remember that verse? But listen here in chapter 8, verse 35 of the Kings. When the heavens are shut up and there is no rain because they have sinned against you, when they pray toward this place and confess your name and turn from their sin because you afflicted them, then here in heaven... Forgive the sin of your servants, your people Israel, that you may teach them the good way in which they should walk, send rain on your land, which you have given to your people as an inheritance. Now, so have you read that California is going through a huge drought? All of the left coast, I mean the west coast, is going through a huge drought. Now Solomon addresses this here. So what happens if God shuts up the heavens? Well, there's three keys here. Notice, you pray, you confess, and you turn. Say that with me. You pray, you confess, and you turn. So you pray, you confess his name, and you turn from your sin. So if they wanted the rain to come, then this is what Solomon says, this is what God says. You need to pray, you need to confess your sins, and turn from your wicked ways, and that's going to be the keys to unlock the heavens. How many of you know we need keys? I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel like things are shut up in my life. Maybe you're here today and you feel like your marriage has been locked up in unhappiness, or maybe it's a health issue, or you have a business you're wanting to launch, and it seems like you run into obstacle and challenge and challenge over and over again could be a health issue, and you're saying, God, what is the key? What, what is the dynamics that's going to unlock this in my own personal life? Maybe you're here today, and you've suffered with addiction, and you're thinking, how in the world am I going to get over this addiction? How many of you know God has a key for you to unlock that for your sobriety? And God has the key for your marriage. He has the key for your finance. He has the key for your pride. He has the key for your anger. But you have to recognize what that key is, and you have to put it in the lock and turn it. How many of you know there's a part you play? 
and there's a part that I play. And can you believe with me that God is willing to give you that key? Now, I just read it, right? Peter, I want to give you the keys to this kingdom. Let me tell you, there's a lot of blessings in the kingdom of God. And I want to know the keys. And God's willing to give you that key. Uh, Joshua, the children of Israel, they're getting ready to go into the promised land. Everybody say promised land. You know, that means there's promises there. It's the land that flows with milk and honey. They've been wandering for 40 long years. And in that 40-year period, it's been pretty tough. And now they're getting ready to cross over into the promised land. I mean, there's good stuff there. But as soon as they get there, guess what they face? One obstacle after another obstacle after another one. I mean, there's challenges. First thing, there's a river that's flooded. Yesterday, I, I crossed Red River. And it, it's pretty wide right now. I've seen it, you know, half a mile wide. And I would no way want to cross that treacherous river. I mean, you'd be in Shreveport. I mean, it's not going to be good for you. Now here, the promised land is there. Uh, God says, I want you to be there. There's good things there, but it, it's locked up. It's shut up. The river is keeping them from going over. But uh, how many of you know God knew the key to get them past the obstacle? Now, now here, here's the key. The key was Joshua, take the priest, have them bear up the Ark of the Covenant, and have them walk into the river. Now, if I had been a priest, and we're all kings and priests in this kingdom, if I'd been a priest and the Lord said, uh, this is the key, and I put the ark up, I might have stood on the edge of the bank and said, do something, God. That wasn't the key. The key was, you got to get your feet wet. Sometimes we don't want to get our feet wet because we don't know what God's going to do. But if it's the key, how many of you know God's keys work? So when they got out into the water, the Bible says the water didn't part. It said the water quit flowing. So whatever water was there went on down the stream, down the riverbank. But the wall of water on the other side, the Bible says, heaped up. Think about this. You, you have this massive river, this roaring flood stage, and God walls up the water. It just begins to heap up, pile upon pile upon pile. And, you know, two, three, four, six million people, we don't know how many, they walked over on dry ground to get to the other side. The key was given to Joshua. This is how you get across a flooded river. And he got the key. And the key worked. And then as soon as they get to the other side, there is this not only uncrossable river, there's this impenetrable city that they can't get by. How many of you know it's Jericho? The archaeologists said that Jericho had a double-walled city. They had an outside wall, then they had a space between the wall, and then they had another wall. In between the walls was called the killing zone. If you happen to penetrate the first wall, you're between the space of the first and second, and guess what? You are a prime candidate to get killed. And God says, I got the key to this. The key is, you march around this city with your warriors, with the priests, with the ark, and you march around it every day for six days. And this is one of the things that's a requirement. Nobody says anything. Nobody says anything. Now, I've preached on this a lot of times, and how many of you know we're all human? Look at your neighbor. They really are human. 
And why would God say that? The third day, fourth grade, fourth day, maybe fifth day, sixth day, this is what God knows about us humans. If he would have allowed us to speak, Cal, we would have said, this is the dumbest thing we've ever done. <laughs> We're marching around the city. We've done it one day, two day, three day, four day, five day, six day. Nothing's happened. This is the dumbest thing. Sometimes we shoot ourselves in the foot by saying words of unbelief when God's given us the key, if we'll just do what he said and keep your trap shut. Don't shoot yourself in the foot by unbelief. But then he said, on the seventh day, I want the priest to blow the trumpet and everybody shout to the top of their lungs. And guess what happened? The walls fell out and they had ramps to go in and besiege the city. God had the key. But you have to have the knowledge, the wherewithal to get the key to know how to unlock an impossible situation. And guess what? God's still giving out keys today. How many of you believe that? I mean, he's still doing that. The second observation about keys is keys are symbols of authority and power. Hey, I got the key. Got the key. Now, th this happened not too long ago. A family uh, shared with me that they had someone in the hospital uh, going through procedures. They kind of got fed up and said, I want to go home. I'm ready to get out of here. And th they talked about just walking out. Do you know what AMA stands for? Against medical advice. You never want to leave the hospital against medical advice because now they can just bill you for all of the procedures. Your insurance is not going to pay because you went AMA against medical advice. And so they, they said, well, we're going to go home. Well, how are you going to get home? You're going to take me. I'm not taking you. Oh, yeah, you are. You're going to take me. No, I'm not taking you. Yeah, you're going to take me. I, I'm leaving this place. I'm going to get out of here. And, and this is the response. You can't leave because I have the keys. So you're going to be here. How many of you know if you have the keys... You have some power and authority in this situation. If you have the keys, you have the power. Do you know that everywhere our president goes, no matter who the president is, that there is a briefcase that's taken with them wherever they go? It's called the football or the nuclear football. It's called the football because somebody carries that wherever the president goes. Now, if he's in the White House or he's somewhere in a, uh, a place where he doesn't need that, but if he's on Air Force One, if he's on uh, Marine One, if he's traveling, someone is carrying the nuclear football. Now, in that nuclear football, there are different things. He can uh, break that open, and inside there is something they call the biscuit. And the biscuit is a plastic, almost like a credit card holder, and he can break it open. Inside are the launch codes for our nuclear warheads. And he can initiate either a response or a nuclear strike from that football, and he has the code to do that. You know what we're saying? He has the key to respond to an attack or the key to initiate a nuclear war he has the keys. I mean, that's power. If someone has that ability, that's power. So here he is always in access to this 
disposal of launch authenticity of codes and launch codes. He can do that because he has the power. When Jesus turns to Peter and he says this, I am willing to give you the keys of the kingdom. You know what he's saying? I'm giving you authority and I'm giving you power. And you are in this kingdom. And I want to tell you up front, Jesus Christ has given you some authority. In his name, he's given you authority. And he's given you power and he's given you keys to this kingdom. And we need to understand what these keys are. Can I hear an amen? Now, Revelation chapter 1 Verse 17, this is very interesting because Jesus begins to identify him. We heard this uh, actually Wednesday uh, night when I saw him. I fell at his feet as dead, but he laid his right hand on, on me, saying to me, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. I have the keys of Hades and death. How many of you know Jesus has the keys of life and death? Jesus has the key to eternal life and he is that key. The only way you're gonna get to heaven is through Jesus Christ. You have to have faith in him. You have to believe in him. So this morning, I wanna give you the first key. You said, Pastor, what have you been doing? I've just been priming the pump here. I want to give you the first key. It is the key that unlocks all the other keys. It is the key of faith. Say that with me. The key of faith. Let's all say it again. The key of faith. Faith is not just a concept. It's not just a state of mind. It's the way we live. It's the way that we conduct ourselves. It becomes a lifestyle for the believer. So the key of faith is absolutely huge. Faith is acting like it is so, even when it is not so, so it can be so because God said it was so. Can you repeat that with me? I tell you what, this is pretty powerful. Faith is acting like it is so, even when it is not so, so it can be so because God says it was so. Wow, that's good stuff. And that's really faith. Because we're believing that God is going to keep his word, right? It's a key in your life. Let me give you three biblical accounts very quickly this morning. And the first one is this woman. For 12 years, she's had an issue of blood. She's bleeding. The physicians can't stop it. She spent all of her money. She can't get really a medical solution to her problem. The second is the lepers. These guys have a disease, and this disease is wreaking havoc and eventually death with their body. I mean, their body is wasting away. They're gonna die, there's no cure. The third is a woman, we don't know her name in this passage, but she's called the sinner. Say that with me, the sinner. Could have been any one of us, right? For we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Hopefully you're not sinning now, but how many of you know you was a sinner? And and you were conceived in sin. We We know she's just called the sinner. But she comes to Jesus And she begins to wash his feet. And she washes his feet with her hair and her tears. And then she breaks this alabaster container and pours ointment on his feet and anoints his feet. But I want you to see Jesus' response to all three of these accounts this recording in your Bible. Here's the first one. The woman comes 
She has a problem. She touches the hem of his garment, and this is Jesus' response. Daughter, your faith has made you whole. Here's the second one, the lepers. Arise, go on your way. Your faith has made you whole. Here's the last one, the woman who washes his feet. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Does anybody see a commonality in all three of those? What was it? Faith. Your faith has made you whole. Go in peace. Your, your faith has made you whole. You're saved because of your faith. How many of you know we're saved by grace through faith? You have to believe that God is a whosoever God. God so loved the world. He wants the world to come to him. Will the world come to him? Their choice. Their decision. But listen, we have to exercise our faith. And Paul said this, to every man is given the measure of faith. So you can exercise your key if you want to. Hebrews 11 and 1, this is the most popular definition of faith. Now faith is... The substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now, this word substance in the Greek, and I've taught on this many times, the definition of the word is substructure, foundation, the firmness, the assurance of what you're standing on, the confidence you have in something or someone. So we're not just willy-nilly out here saying I have faith. We have faith that has substance to it. I'm standing on this platform. I'm secure on this platform. I've been on a lot of porches I didn't want to stand on. Anyone stood on that porch? Anybody went up those steps? Wasn't sure. But I've stood on this platform hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times. I watched them when they poured the concrete for this platform. Listen, I could jump up and down. I could dance. I won't do that. But I have confidence that it will hold me up. Listen, I have confidence that if every one of us would come up here and hold us up. You know what that is? That's faith in what we're standing on. You know what you're doing when you exercise faith? You believe that when you exercise your faith, you believe that what you believe will support what you're standing on. That's what faith is. So we have to realize that when we stand here and when we live here and when we go there and we do this, we believe that we are supported what's under us and that's our faith in Almighty God and what he said. Now, there is a natural world. We experience it every day, every moment. But the natural world was created by the spiritual world. And the spiritual world was here before the natural world. And so we have to understand that the spiritual world supersedes the natural world. And when this natural world is over, the spiritual world will still be here. How many of you got that? So what is more definite, what is more real, the natural or the spiritual? And the answer is the spiritual, but we're so accustomed to the natural, that's where we lean. We, we lean that way because that's what we're used to. But faith is getting out of your natural state of mind and getting over to walk in and think in the spirit so what you're standing on is really foundational. And you say, well, I don't know. That's kind of tough, right? Well, it is kind of tough. That's why you have to renew your mind, right? You have to be born again, renew your mind, so you can think that the spiritual is greater and more real than the natural world. How many of you know God is a spirit? And so we know that the spiritual world is more firm than the natural. 
years ago when we were getting ready to build this campus, uh, some of you know very well you were part of this and you, you did the same thing I did. But when we began to move up here, there was nothing here. There was a bunch of uh, grass and prairie and one emu. Does anybody remember the emu? He was an escapee. How many of you remember years ago people used to raise emus and ostriches? I mean, it was a big deal. There was a lot of people doing it. So somehow on this property, when we bought it, there was a renegade emu up here. And every once in a while I'd drive by and I'd see the emu. And then I wouldn't see the emu. I don't know where he went. And I don't know what happened to him. I guess he went to emu heaven. I I don't know what happened to him. But, But there was... There was no water here. There was no electricity here. There was no sewer system here. There's no natural gas here. And we bought the 125 acres, and we're going to build a campus up here. And I can tell you how many times that I drove up here, and I walked over this place right right where you're sitting. Nothing here. And I'd pray, and I'd pray, and I'd pray. And, And carrying the boys. The boys were smaller, and they'd get out, and they'd walk over the property with me, and We'd pray, and I did it so many times, they quit getting out of the car. <laughs> they just sat in the car, and I'd get out, and I'd walk, and I'd pray, and I'd pray, and the boy said, Mama, what's Dad doing? I said, well, son, he's walking over the building, and he's praying, and they said, but Mama, there's nothing there. There's nothing there. And, and I'll never forget, she, she told me the story, because I'm out <laughs> walking and praying, and she said, let me tell you what the boys did. They, they said, Mama, what's Dad doing? And she said, well, he's, he's walking through the church. And they said, Mama, there's no church there. He's walking down the aisles, and he's walking up on the pulpit. He's walking down the halls and the classrooms. And they would say, Mama, there's nothing there. And I'll never forget just what she told them. She says, yeah, sons, but Daddy sees it. You've got to see it in the Spirit before you ever get in the natural. See, faith is the key that unlocks that. You've got to have faith. So faith is the substance of things hoped for. Anybody here hoping for anything? You ever hoping to get married? You hoping to have uh, good finances, a, a good relationship? You hoping for kids, or are you hoping to go to college? Or are you hoping for a job? If you're hoping for something, then you have something that you have to have substantial to stand on to see that hope become reality. Let me tell you what it is. According to the scriptures, faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Hebrews verse six eleven. Uh, but without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. How many of you know God is a rewarder? Isn't that cool? God is a rewarder. You say, well, I, I, I don't understand what you're saying. Well, I'm just saying what the scripture says. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And if you have faith toward God, you believe that he is God, and you, you seek after him, then God will become your rewarder, according to Scripture. Yeah. 
Now, now what does that mean? Listen, I'm not up here preaching, name it, claim it, blab it, grab it, spit it, get it, okay? I'm just telling you what the Word says. The Word says if you believe God, if you believe He is God, if you diligently seek Him, then He will become what? Your rewarder. How many believe that's in the Bible? So what does that mean, He becomes your rewarder? Well, here's the definition. He delivers, he pays, he pays off, he rewards. He gives what is promised to you. He renders, produces, gives back, restores, and recompenses to you. I, I, I Listen, <laughs> I like that. I want God to be my rewarder, but there's a key for him to become my rewarder. I have to believe that he is. I have to diligently seek him by faith, and now he becomes what? My rewarder. Now, I want to give you three keys. Three keys to take home with you today that's going to change your life. How many of you are ready for this? I'm going to give you three keys that's going to change your life. Here's number one. You have to get in the Word. You and I have to get in the Word. Let me tell you why. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. You need to know what the Word says. Because the Word is going to become your substance of what you're standing on. If you were here a month ago on a Sunday night, Tanner told this marvelous story. Tanner bought a new truck. And it was only not long ago till he looked at his key fob and realized there was a symbol for remote start. And he said, well, you know, I've got the symbol of a remote start here. I don't think my car has remote start or my truck, but I'm going to try it. So he hits the key fob, and guess what happens to his truck? It started and kind of made him mad. He said, for the last several years, I've been getting up in the cold and going out to my truck to start it. I've been going out in the heat and starting my truck. I'm trying to heat my truck, cool off my truck. And all the time, on my key fob, I have automatic remote start. Read the manual. (laughs) Has anybody got a Bible close to them? Hold it up. Hold your phone up. Hold your iPad up. That's your manual. Read it. You have more in it than maybe you realize. It's the key to unlock something that you need. Something that would help you. Something that would bless you. And all the time you may not be using it because you don't know it's in there. I'm about to preach myself happy this morning. Listen, you need to get into the word. Secondly, you need to surround yourself with positive, faithful people. You need to surround yourself with positive, faithful people. You say, well, yeah, I don't know if that's true. Well, listen, uh, it's hard to be an eagle if you uh, run with the turkeys. Well, pastor, I don't know if that's in the Bible. Well, I'm glad you asked me because I'm going to show you it's in the Bible. Mark chapter 5. You remember the story? Jairus, who's a ruler in the synagogue, his little girl is dying. He goes to Jesus and said, Master, if you would come, my, my little girl's dying. Maybe you could do something. On the way, someone comes up and says, don't bother the master anymore. Your daughter's dead. You know what Jesus did? He looked at him and he said, he said, keep believing. Don't fear, keep believing. 
He gets to the house. Let me read it to you. This is verse number 39. When he came in, he said to them, Why make this commotion and weep? The child is not dead but sleeping. And they ridiculed him. But when he had put them all outside, he took the father, the mother of the child, and those who were with him and entered where the child was. Did you see verse 40? What did he do to the unbelievers? He put them outside. Listen, you don't want to hang with people who don't believe. Oh, you got to rub shoulders with them every day. But I'm telling you, when you're in a bind, when you're looking to unlock some keys in your life, when you're looking for your miracle, you want to surround yourself with somebody who believes. He put them outside, and he resurrected her from the dead. There were cities. The Bible says he could do no great works there because of their what? Unbelief. There were instances he literally took people outside of the town He said, get out of here, let's go outside, and he healed them there, and he couldn't do it there because of their unbelief. Listen, this is God in the flesh. What's he doing? Listen, God can do anything he wants, but there are keys. There's keys, and we need to understand the keys. The key is don't keep hanging with people who don't believe. This is a Bible-believing church. We believe the Bible. I don't always understand it, but I believe it. So there's the keys. 2 Corinthians 6, 14, you've heard this. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Everybody read that? 99.9% of the time we talk about what marriage. Don't, don't, if you're a believer, don't marry an unbeliever. But the same principle applies. Don't hook up with unbelievers. Doesn't mean you <laughs> unfriend them. It doesn't mean that you don't love them and you don't have friends with them. But let me tell you, when you're in fellowship, you need to be with a group of believers. So we need to be with a group that's positive and faithful. Hebrews 12, verse 1, seeing that we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. What did he just talk about? He talked about chapter 11. He began with Abel. He, He goes to Noah. He goes through the patriarchs of faith. And listen, we separated the chapters, but the thought goes on. Therefore, seeing that we are surrounded by all of these witnesses, what kind of witnesses? People of faith. He said, then let us, let us, notice what he said, lay aside the sin that so easily besets us. Let us run with patience this that's before us. Let us look to Jesus, who's the author and the finisher of our faith. You see, if... You're surrounded by witnesses. If you're surrounded by believers, how many of you know you can lay aside that sin? You don't have to walk in it. You don't have to live in it. You you can keep running the race. You can keep looking to Jesus who's the author and the finisher of your faith. Why? It's easier with believers around you. Here's the last thing. You and I need to walk in faith and live in faith. We need to walk in faith, live in faith. Say that with me. We need to walk in faith and live in faith. This is the Old Testament, Habakkuk 2.4. The just shall live by faith. Say it with me. The just shall live by faith. Now, this is what some Yahoo's going to do. Oh, that's Old Testament. That's Old Testament. Well, goofball, I know it's the Old Testament. And it's still inspired by the Holy Spirit. And it appears three other times in the New Testament. 
Do you know that line appears four times in your Bible? The just shall live by faith. I don't care if you're in the Old Testament or the New Testament. The just shall live by faith. What is that? That's a key. It's one of the keys that unlocks the other keys. What do you mean by that, Pastor? One of the keys is prayer. But if you don't believe in what you're praying for, guess what? Probably not going to get it. See, faith, whatever you're looking for, whatever you're praying for, whatever you're, you're doing in this kingdom, faith is one of the great keys that unlocks the other keys. For without faith, it's impossible to please God. So I want to raise your faith level today. I, I, I can't do it by you know, my stories or I, I can't do it by me being here, but I can say if you'll believe the word of God, your faith level will rise. If you'll get around other faithful people, other positive people, your faith level will rise. And, and, and if you just say, I'm not going to do that one time, I'm going to walk in this every day. I, I mean, I'm going to live this every day. Amen. Don't understand it all, but I'm going to live it. I'm going to walk in it every day. And guess what's going to happen? Your life's going to be better. That's what Jesus says, Peter, we're all in this kingdom, but there are many keys in this kingdom. One kingdom singular, keys plural. For the next few weeks, we're going to talk about what are the keys of the kingdom. Faith has to be way up at the top. Why don't you bow your head with me? We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you are encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory, and hope changes everything.